God, I want to thank you for I want to thank you for grace. I want to thank you for mercy. I want to, I want to thank you for the willingness for people of this community to step outside of their comfort zones and to know that it's not just about us, but it's about serving in the kingdom um, from dance to music to feeding the poor, helping the homeless. God, I pray that you would continue to put those things on our heart, that you would continue to lead us in that direction that we would know and see where you're working and that we would follow you in that work. So this morning, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, I pray that they're acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So guess what? We are actually going to get through the book of, go Giants, the book of Galatians this morning. Um, the book of Galatians is, is an amazing letter that Paul writes because it's really based on freedom. Freedom of freedom from religion. Because see what happened was before Jesus came on the scene, following God got very oppressive. And 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 the, the oppressiveness came from people, came from men. I guess maybe we could call it religion. That God creates this this journey that he wants his people to be on. And by the time Jesus comes on the scene, it is turned into these man-made laws because it was all based on the law. And they made laws to make sure that you would follow the law. So you'd have to keep these laws to make sure you didn't break those laws. And it all became this, this heavy weight upon people's shoulders. In fact, Jesus would, he would tell the religious leaders, he goes, you know, you guys, you guys try really hard to get one person one person to come to Judaism, and then you heap all of this stuff on them, you don't help them at all, and you make them twice the sons of hell that you are. And so this whole idea of religion just just was crushing people, and it didn't do anything for them. You see, we cannot be reconciled back to God through following the rules. We cannot know righteous, the righteousness of God by following the rules. We can't get it right. We can't even get the, the JV rules right. You might know them as the Ten Commandments. We, we, we can't even get all of those right. What makes us think that we are going to be standing righteous before God by our behavior? It just doesn't work that way. And so Paul preaches and teaches and writes about God's grace. He teaches and preaches about the mercy of, of God through Jesus Christ. You see, it's not following the law. It's faith in Christ that brings us to a place of righteousness before God. It's, it's faith in Jesus. It's receiving grace. It's receiving the power of his spirit that we are reconciled back to our father. And through that reconciliation, then we are empowered to live a life that walks in harmony with our creator. You're tracking with that. This is a, this is a story of freedom. But the Galatians, they're falling back into this this works-oriented thing. They think that they can, they can behave correctly to get right with God. And Paul gets angry with them. He's like, are you kidding me? What are you guys thinking? See, many people are questioning Paul's authority as an apostle. 
They're questioning if he really should be preaching the gospel because they believe that the gospel that he's preaching is this watered-down thing. He's making it easy for everybody to get in. It's all about this grace, blah, blah, blah. And then he tells a story in chapters 1 and 2 of Galatians. He tells a story about when he has to confront Peter because Peter starts to look at the law again. And Peter has backed away at one point from eating with the Gentiles because the Gentiles, that would be all of us who are, are not Jewish, the Gentiles were not following the dietary laws of the Jews. And so Peter had some of his friends come over and he was really worried about what they were going to say, seeing him eating with these, with these Gentiles that are not following the law. And Paul gets in his face. He goes, it's not about the law. It's not about the rules and the regulations. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus, faith in Christ. And that's it. And so we're going to pick up the story. Um, I'm going to read it out of my Bible because I want to read it in the whole context. And then we're going to break it down. So you can leave that up there, Wes. Um, But I'm going to read you the whole thing. I'm going to start in verse 15. I'm going to go right on through to 21. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because observing the law, no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroy, then I would really be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. You know, I I, I don't think I have to say anything more about that. You all understand that? You got that? Grace and peace. Go Giants. We'll see you later. No, I'm kidding. Let's break it down a little bit because there's a lot going on in Paul's words. And it's, you have to get a hold of this. You have to get a hold of this. Everything counts and depends on this. He starts off, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Paul is, he's, uh, has this characterization of Jew and Gentile. He calls the, the Gentiles sinners, and that sounds pretty harsh sometimes, I mean, to, to say that, you know, we're all sinners, but what he's really getting, it's almost like he's, there's, there's a social profiling going on here. The Jews are God's chosen people. They were called by God. They were saved by him. They were given the law. And it's not that only that the Gentiles did not obey the law. It's that the Gentiles, we didn't even have the law. It wasn't given to us. God didn't appear to us back then. God didn't appear to the Gentiles. He didn't save them out of Egypt. He didn't give them Torah. He didn't give them the law. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the fathers of faith, but they were in the Hebrew heritage. And so anybody who does not have the law in the Jewish mindset of this time were considered sinners because they didn't have God. 
But Paul goes on to say that no one ever has been justified by following the rules and the regulations. No one has ever been justified by the law. And we have to understand what justification is. It's about being declared righteous before God. It's being put back into a right relationship with God. You are accepted by God when you are justified to him. And Paul says no possible way can the law ever get that. See, this is not just about uh, cleaning you up. This is not just about improving you. This is not just some self-help idea. This is about putting humanity back into the relationship it once had in the garden before Adam and Eve in the fall. That's what being justified before God is. And, if, and see, if, if you break one little part of the law, one little thing, the whole thing goes up in smoke. The whole thing falls apart. Do not pass go. Go straight to jail. You don't get your 200 bucks. It's over. And so it really points to humanity's need for a savior. Because we Gentiles, we don't have the law, so we cannot be made righteous before God. And the Jews the Jews that had the law, if they messed up one little part, they, they ruined the whole law so they could not be made righteous before God. No one in all of humanity has a leg up in the righteousness of God. Justification only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Period. That means that's the end of the statement. There's nothing that you can add. There's nothing you need to do. It's through faith in Jesus Christ, that you are finally justified. See, it's faith in Jesus equals, equals right with God. Very simple equation. Very simple equation. Committing yourself to Christ, accepting his message, accepting the work that he has done on the cross is what justifies us. But, but we're, 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 like, we're, we're people, right? And, and we like this whole idea of self-justification, We like to think that we can fix it. We like to think that we can do and do and perform. We're we're always aware that people are watching us. People are watching the way you live. People are watching the decisions you make. And sometimes we live in this fear that we're not going to meet people's expectations. And people are going to be, they're going to talk about us. So we do certain things to make sure that we fulfill those expectations. We don't want people talking about us. Or we don't do certain things so we, we don't get ourselves into trouble with people. See, the way the world thinks is, okay, if I follow the rules, and I'm not saying you should go out and like not follow the laws in our land, but in our world, if I follow the laws, then I don't get in trouble. And if I don't get in trouble, then I can actually gain the approval of the people that I'm looking for approval from. You tracking with that? And, and that's kind of, that's kind of our mentality. That's the kind of the way we think. But then, then it bleeds over into our faith. It says, if I follow the rules, if I'm a good person, then finally I will gain God's approval. Survey says, wrong answer. There is no, there is a complete incapacity within us for self-justification. In fact, I believe that's one of the sins that the Holy Spirit wants to remove from us. 
that we would think that we can actually be good enough to gain God's approval. Every person in the world comes before Jesus Christ with their hands dirty and empty. And it's only Christ and Christ alone that will clean our hands and fill them with his grace. And that's it. And then Paul, Paul will continue on. Next slide, Wes. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Paul is this guy who, who preaches grace and he preaches mercy. But Paul not only talks about it and understands it, Paul has been a recipient of it. His story, his story is about persecuting Christians. And then God gets a hold of him, and then he spends the rest of his entire life turning people on to Jesus, giving them the good news of the gospel. And what he says here, if, if the Jews join with the Gentiles in this whole idea that The law is no longer the focus of our lives. The law is no longer the way that we become righteous before God. The law is not what we're to focus our faith on. And according to Jewish law, that would make us all sinners. If we don't focus on the law, then we become sinners. And he says, well, well, if if we're not focusing on the law, does that mean that Jesus likes sin? No. We're missing the point. The, The Galatians are missing the point. It's not about your behavior. It's not about how you're acting. It's about, it's about removing faith in you. It's about releasing the faith that you really think that you can get it right and stand before God in righteousness, that you can work for it. See, it's removing faith in you and putting faith in Jesus. And that's why he says, man, if I go back and I rebuild this whole theology of rules and faith and earning God's approval, if I, if I go back to the idea that I can work myself to get into God's good graces, then guess what? I have taken myself right out of God's good graces because I can't do it because grace is a gift. It's a free gift that God gives to people and all you have to do is accept it. You can't be good enough to get it. You can't do enough to achieve it. You can't earn it. If you could earn it, guess what? It wouldn't be grace anymore. It would be your salary. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. You cannot be holy enough to get holy enough so that you can be holy by doing any work before God. It's only the work of Jesus in your life that creates holiness within you. You see how important this really is? Are you starting to understand this? Are you following me here? With Christ, we get rid of, we get just, we're released from that whole, I have to work for it mentality. We get out of the restrictiveness of the world. When the world says, you have to, you have to, you should, you should, you have to, you have to. Jesus says, man, you just, you just got to be. You just, you just have to, you have to be. Christ calls us into living in freedom with God. Freedom in who he is and the power that he's given us. Through Christ, this whole desire to manage our lives just kind of kind of goes away, kind of melts away, and, and, and our life becomes about 
surrender and our life becomes about the mystery of the gospel and the life becomes about growth, spiritual and personal growth. It becomes about abundance that is defined way beyond what the world would define it as. It changes, it changes everything. And then Paul will continue on in his thoughts. Next slide, Wes. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Paul has died to the law, through the law, so that he might live for God. Jesus, Jesus took the penalty of us being lawbreakers, of us not getting it right. He took the entire penalty of all the sin in our life and he carried it to the cross. It was nailed to the cross with him. Every sin that you have ever committed in your life, Christ follower, has been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. Every sin that you will commit from here on in is nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. He has taken the weight of it all upon his shoulders, stretched out his arms, and he died so that we don't have to. And by him dying under the law, he has, uh, he has ended the era of the law. He fulfills it perfectly. Jesus fulfills the law perfectly. And those who accept that work, those who accept the work of Christ on the cross, they too, in God's sight, have fulfilled the law perfectly. There is no more death penalty for the Christ follower. God is not angry at you. He is not mad at you. Not because of you, but because of who Christ is in you. Are you tracking? Do you see how important this is? And now, Christ follower, Christian, you are you are free to live a new life. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. You are free to live a life that is free of condemnation. You are free to live a life that is free from guilt. You are free to live a life filled with the grace and the mercy of God. You have been empowered to live in righteousness. It's not your own work that makes you live a righteous life. It's the Holy Spirit working in you that empowers you to live the life that God calls you to live. You can't get it on your own. And then he goes on to say that, that he goes, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's a big, bold statement. I have been crucified with Christ. That could be a little intimidating at times to think I have been crucified with Christ. But you know, in, in, in evangelical world, in Christian world, in church world, that's just, we hear that all the time. Maybe you've, you've even said, you know, of course I've been crucified with Christ. I'm a Christian. And when we go to baptism, uh, when we baptize somebody, we dunk them under the water, we say buried with Christ meaning that they're, they're taking part symbolically in, in the death of Christ and raised again to new life. It's something that we just kind of, we kind of take um, for granted. It's kind of just by rote. 
that we think, oh, yeah, I've been crucified with Christ and I long live. And it's almost like blah, blah, blah. It's like the Charlie Brown teacher, you know? Wah, 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 wah. And we just, don't, we just don't hear it. We just don't understand it. Because when we really come down to think about it, we tend to veer away from the whole crucified with Christ thing. We, we, we just, it's, it's, it's kind of, well, it's, it's intimidating, right? To think that you are called to be crucified with Christ. It's uncomfortable. There's this, this sense of the unknown. I mean, it's much easier just to kind of kick back, daydream a little bit about the Jesus life, you know, dabble in it, put your foot in it, feel the waters a little bit, you know. Not take it too seriously because too seriously means that then you're going to have to change stuff and, and then you're going to have to allow the spirit in you and do all that hard work as he chisels away all that junk in your life. And, and so, and so uh, you know, it's just better just to, just to taste a little bit. But not for Paul. Paul said, I've been crucified. Crucified with Christ. He has experienced the grace and mercy of God. He knows the meaning of it. He knows how amazing it really is. And he dives headfirst right in. He has been crucified with Christ right in. There's no, there's no uh, research that he does. He doesn't weigh his options. He doesn't test the waters. He doesn't see if there's any other alternative to this. No, he dives right in, takes the big plunge right into the God life, crucified with Christ. Here's, crucifixion ends one way of life because you know what crucifixion meant? You died. You got nailed to the cross and you died. So crucifixion ends one way of life and it begins another way of life. You see, to be crucified with Christ means that you are ending your me life. The life that says it's all about me, that I need to look for my own interests. I need to look out for my own protection. It ends the whole, I need to be admired or I need to be right or I need to have my ego stroked. You see, you see, Crucified with Christ means that, that all of that just dies off. The me life goes away and you plunge headfirst into the God life. And that's when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, man. And things start to change. Things begin to shake and move in your world. See, it's, it's Paul is all in. See, to be crucified... With Jesus doesn't mean that you just come to church for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning or, you know, you, uh, you just read the Bible, you know, and every once in a while. This is, this, is, this is everything in your life changes because you have opened yourself up to the grace and mercy of God and been empowered by his Holy Spirit who lives within you. And he goes, man, Paul says, I don't, I don't even live anymore. It's not even me that's living. Paul is a Pharisee. He has, he has dedicated his entire life up to this point to following the law, to learning the law, to learning the letter of it, to make sure that he did everything, everything exactly the way it was written and that he should do. He lived by the rules. Every waking moment and even during the times that he would sleep, he would have to wake himself up during certain hours of the night so he can turn over because there were certain laws that said you couldn't sleep on the same side all the time. That's, that's how zealous Paul was for the law. And now that's gone. And now, and now it's not even, it's, it's not him that lives, but it's Christ that lives within him in this world. 
the indwelling of the Spirit of God is within Paul, and he recognizes that all of that stuff that he tried to get righteous with God by doing was a waste of his time because it's only faith in Christ that brings righteousness. In the life that he now lives in the body, in the world, he lives, he lives by faith. You see, Paul, Paul gets it. He understands that uh, it's, it's not all perfect. It's not all mountaintop experiences in roses. You know, there's still sin in the world. There's still brokenness in the world and it, and, it, and it affects us and it tempts us and it pulls at us and it gnaws at us. And sometimes we actually give into those things. There's, this, there's still a weakness about us. There's still some of that old age stuff that's lingering around us. And, and, and it's going to be here until Christ comes again and he ushers in the new age in all of its fulfillment. Then all of that stuff goes away. But for now, for now we continue to live in the brokenness of it. But, but hear me. Understand this. As it was with Paul's life, it is now with our lives, those of us who have chose, who have made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. We no longer work for God to get to God. We no longer have to jump through any hoops to get to God. No jumping, uh, we don't have to worry about measuring up to meet God's approval. We can live in the freedom of, of faith in Jesus Christ. Freedom of faith. Freedom of faith in Jesus Christ, allowing the Spirit to indwell in us and living in that empowerment of faith changes everything. It changes everything. The Son of God loves us, and he gave himself for us. You know, that's another one of those phrases that I think we just kind of, yeah, we, we, we hear it, we know it, we've said it a million times. Say it with me. The Son of God loves me and gave himself for me. You know, you say that like you're giving directions to somebody to go to the bathroom. I mean, do you really believe that? Say it. The Son of God loves me. And gave himself for me. Say it, with, say it like your life depends upon it. The Son of God loves me. And gave himself for me. See, your faith can only be sustained when that truth sinks into your mind and your heart and your soul and you begin to live in it. That is the food, the fuel that will keep your faith alive. That the Son of God loves you. And he has given himself for you. That you can walk in victory, not only in this world, but in the age to come. That we will sit in the presence of God forever. God's promise. Your, your homecoming is not about you laboring to get there. Your homecoming is a journey of, of faith, not works. Your homecoming is a journey of faith. And when you believe and when you put your faith in Christ, guess what? You are home.
you have arrived home. Christian, you belong to God. You belong to God. Then Paul finishes his whole thought process. He says, you know, I am not going to set aside God's grace. I am not going to go back to that that whole mentality that I'm going to try to earn something that I can never earn. I am going to receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ. You know, we live every day in this world and we go out and we go to our jobs and we go to school and we do we have our friends and we have our family and, and God has given us all of these experiences in the world. All of them are created orchestrated, allowed by him, and he shares his love, and he shares his salvation. It's all a gift. Everything that we have is God's gift to us. We don't own anything, and he doesn't have to give us a single thing, but he does because he loves us, and we have been given everything. Grace, the grace of God says that you don't have to go out into the world And you don't have to try to coerce and manipulate everybody and everything around you to make sure that your your needs are finally met because it's the love of God that wants to meet those needs for you. And you don't have to go out into the world and be fearful of what people are going to think about you, what people are going to say about you. You don't have to worry about measuring up because of Jesus Christ in your life. You are a beloved child. And you already measure up beyond what you even consider, beyond what you can even imagine. When God looks at you, he sees his son. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. You see, you can just be because of Christ in your life. You could just be. Faith allows us just to be. Grace allows us just to be. We do not have to try to live a righteous life so that we can get God to accept us. Because of Jesus Christ, you have already been accepted by God. And the Spirit of God that lives within you empowers you to live that life of righteousness that He calls you to. Are, are, you, are you following that? See, this is, how, this is why it's so important because too many Christians today walk around with condemnation and guilt that they've screwed up again, that they've made the mistake, that, oh my goodness, God. No, no, no. See, the righteousness of God is not because of you. It's because of Jesus. The righteousness of God is not because of you. It's in spite of you because of Jesus. And he pours out that grace and mercy on you freely. It's the gift and it just You just have to reach out your hand and accept it as the gift. God's not mad at you anymore. I want to lead us through a little experiment, a little meditative process this morning. Um, There's a verse, I believe it's in the Psalms. It says, be still and know that I am God. And I think that too often in our lives, we, we we don't like still. We don't like quiet. So this might be a little awkward for some of you, but that's okay. Giants aren't playing until 4 o'clock. We, can, we got hours to get this done. 
4.30. We still got, we got an extra half hour, baby. So what I want you to do is I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes just like you did in junior high, right? I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to speak these words to you and I want you to just, I want you to just to think about them, to meditate through them, to allow yourself to receive them. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is God. Let that statement begin to wash away the anxiety that's in your life. Let that truth begin to wash away the condemnation that you may be feeling. And now we'll change it a little bit. Be still and know that He is. Be still and know. Allow those words to seep into your heart, through your mind, into your soul. Be still and know.
Some of you need to relax your jaws right now because it's holding a lot of tension. Some of you need to unclench your fists. Some of you need to relax your shoulders right now because the next line in the verse is be still. Be still and receive the grace of God. Be still and receive the grace of his mercy. Be still and know that you are loved for who you are right in this very moment. Be still. And now, because of Jesus Christ, you are free just to be. Be who you are. Beloved son. Beloved daughter. No more striving. There's no more guilt. Lord Jesus, the truth of your love is unfathomable to us. The truth of your grace and your mercy is something that 
you just scratch the surface and try to understand. God, I pray that you would teach us how to receive those things. That we would put our faith in the work of the cross. That we would put our faith in the merits of Jesus Christ and not our own. That we would die to the law and to the rules. That we would live for Christ. That he would be our gain. That he is our freedom. That he is our righteousness. God, I pray that we would walk with our heads held high and our shoulders back, knowing that the Savior of the world loves us and gave himself for us. I pray that truth would sink deep into our souls, that our lives would reflect that. The love of God is the light of our life. Let us live as a light on the hill. We pray these, these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, you got to get that. Spend a little time uh, over the next couple weeks, I think, trying to be quiet. People don't like quiet. But you know what? God talks to you in the quiet. God releases stuff in you in the quiet. God moves in the quiet. And so I think during our fellowship time after church here, let's just not talk to each other. Yeah, I was joking. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. And, uh, <clears throat> Go Giants! <laughs>